And you're ah, this episode is brought to you by Gods Against Humanity. Yes, just not to read an ad, dear gummit. If they do want you to enjoy the show, ain't that just like them? Tonight on Bullstone, police shootings continue to be a national tragedy. If you didn't repost for awareness, you're part of the problem. Peas porridge hot, peas porridge cold, peas porridge in the pot nine days, paroled? Free oatmeal to any convicts who are released from prison for good behavior in less than ten days. Delegates? More like smelligates, am I right? Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I, plateau? (laughs) No, no. How farmers are cultivating mesas and what it means for you later. All these stories tonight and more on another groin-pounding episode of Bullstone! My name's Dave Stecko. My name's David Flora. Welcome to Bullstone. Welcome to Bullstone. The Echo Chamber. You're an idiot. No. You're an idiot. <laughs> I eat that one perfectly. <laughs> Checkmate by my own baton. Isn't that how that goes? Isn't that how that works? Uh, welcome to Bullstone. Yeah. Uh, tonight's episode, once again, mano y mano, Dave versus David in a winner-take-all battle for control of the next, I don't know. 70 minutes of your life. <laughs> Hope you guys are all doing very well. Oh, yeah. Man, uh, I, can, I can't wait to start slathering thank yous on people. Slathering. Uh, thank you to everybody who came out to the live show. Yes. You are all heroes. Jukebox heroes. Jukebox heroes. Um, huge thanks to Ken Height. Yes. Uh, for being a guest. Huge thanks to Greg Bach yep. of A Visitor's Guide to Springfield podcast fame. Huge thanks to Dark Mark Soloff of Blastro podcast fame. That's right. Hugest thanks to J.V. Gish, uh, who did all of our sound and lights. That's right. And as much as we razzed him during this show, because did a we- masterful job. He did a great job, and I felt bad afterwards. I was like, oh, man. We kind of hoisted him just to create a bit. <laughs> we, we we did, yeah. I, I, felt I felt the same way. I hope he didn't think like, God, I really let those guys down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I hope he, he understood that it was completely in, in yeah. the show joke form. So that's how we do it. Because um, it was just fun to be like, here's the sound. And then like yeah. him, him in the back what going, the f- Jay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, thank you to Annie Rikes, who helped run the merch table. Yep, and to Karen Murphy for helping out. Yep. Uh, congratulations to yeah. everybody who won uh, t-shirts and raffle in the shirts. raffle. I think that was a fun idea. I think we should do more of it. it and it's a way to let us use our equipment that we Exactly. And most importantly, it, it lets us know if people want more shirts. <laughs> that is true. That's that's a good way to show off designs and, and get the uh, field test for it. But anyway, yep. it was a huge success. Yeah, it was awesome. We're definitely going to do it again. We just got to... 
get our shits together. Now we know how many shits it takes. So that's, we know exactly right. how many shits to get together. Um, also, thank you to all of our glorious Patreon backers. Oh, yeah. You guys are magnificent. Uh, all of you who have been um, using your karate to judo chop the, the donate button for the la- for the, over the years. Thank you. And those it of you who have just, fruition. yeah, those of you who have decided to convert that over to Patreon, we are like tiny little nimble fingered elves cobbling together each and every lovingly handcrafted reward for that. Yeah. Yeah. Got, got some of those going out this month for those people who are just quickest on the stickest. <laughs> That's right. Um, for me, screwing up the timing of. Of getting it in there. Hey, um, that's that's how we, th- those are a gold platinum plus edition. Big, big shout out to all the Blur Reavers who came from yep. the uh, parts unknoon and all the corners of the. Yeah, even the, the parts that wins. were known. Thank you guys who came up from New Orleans. Uh, somebody was there from Delaware. Yeah. Now, now they said that on the intro. I caught that. I, I, I hadn't heard about it before I, I got the audio from Greg. Up till then, I was unaware. I was did you see? Not aware. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, Flora. Did you get it? <laughs> <laughs> if you if you actually came from Delaware for the show, please let us know. Write yeah. in and and let us know so we can uh, slather some more thank yous on you because yeah. we didn't. It, it, either that was a joke, or it was someone who's like, yeah, I just moved to Chicago from Delaware, or it was a real life Delawarean. Yeah. Delorean. Delorean. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going. You're right. Uh, thank you to, of course, uh, Gray Cat, Gray Cat and Fancy John Feast coming out from o- Omaha. Do you know John Animus and I were both born on the exact same day? Crazy. Yeah. Crazy exactly. World. Crazy world. 10 to 75, mother lickers, was and, a big day. And, uh, and as always, huge thank you to Clairvoyant Katie. Yes. And her, and her lovely family for coming up and yeah, the, supporting the sleeping so little Dino boy. It was and, great. Yeah. We had a we had a great time. We swore like so. crazy in front of that child. <laughs> Mostly me, actually, almost entirely me. Still, don't feel at all bad about it. But for those of you who haven't heard yet, it was a great time. It was very successful. We're gonna do do it again. We're gonna have uh, a, probably a little bit more time to prepare for it. Yeah. Uh, there, you know, if you wanted to make it to this one and timing was just a little too short for you, maybe the next one. Uh, Dave and I have even considered. Taking this show on the road. Taking it on the road. Seeing we, we've got to figure out how to do it. But, you know, mm-hmm. if there's a market, maybe uh, a West Coast show would be fun to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe an uh, international. Oh. I don't know. We got to get that Patreon <laughs> right. <laughs> going. Keep hitting that with the bellows. Yeah. But um, we were definitely up for, for doing this. So thanks to everybody. Just a big old thanks. Yeah. That's been great. Now. Now that's enough. That's that's enough hand jobs. Now it's now it's time for mouth jobs. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're so right. We're gonna I, talk, right? I, we're gonna I talk. bear full responsibility really? for that. <laughs> Are we gonna just talk with our mouths? Yeah, right. We're gonna. It's a mouth job. <laughs> oh God! Isn't that how they guys you guys come back? Anyway, like, yeah. uh, we've got some news to yeah. bring you for from April. Oh, we got so many great stories. I've got a story that is so good that oh, he is so excited about. Uh, this oh man, story. I've been just giggling in my britches. He, he's jazzed all day. Flora, what? Well, how about you kick it off? Uh, all right, I'll kick it off for us. We start where we often like to start, I guess. Some somehow trending this way, but got an article from Live Science entitled "No Planet Nine Won't Kill Us All." What? 
hate to be the inexplicably bearer of disappointed bad news. Hate to be the bearer of no bad news. <laughs> so apparently, on April seventh, the New York Post, the paragon, the post with the most of journalistic integrity. It's the post that hits the most. Which is Planet Nine is this? Um, it's a mysterious planet that they think is in the outer reaches of our solar system. Yep, lurking. That, yeah, that that has a humongous orbit, but has been undetectable until now because uh, scientists have started seeing wobbles in, I think, the um, orbits of stuff in the Kuiper Belt. It, oh, it's, okay. It's making stuff uh, sh- shimmy and shake and jump jiving well out there. Selling chinos. <laughs> You know, it's in the gap of of the Kuiper Belt. No, um, <laughs> that was good. Well, it and and what one theory of Planet Nine and why it's going to kill us all is that it would uh, come into our solar system finally after its you know twenty six thousand year orbit or whatever, and right. come into our neck of the woods. Oh neck, yeah, <laughs> yeah, our neck of the woods, like Kool Aid Man, <laughs> but instead of delicious, sugary, colorful water. He's throwing comets and asteroids at us and literally crashing through every wall in existence. Right. And enjoying the sweet irony of burning the atmosphere with a giant chunk of ice. (laughs) So apparently in in the New York Post's Twitter account, they said a newly discovered planet could destroy Earth as soon as this month. Uh Uh-oh. Wow. Like... We're spending all of the Patreon money on video games and caffeine. (laughs) And hook us. And hook us. First of all, if you're getting your news from Twitter. <laughs> yeah, whoops. I don't know. If if you if you only get 140 some odd letters to to find out what's going on in the world, that's that's not good. But then again, I find out a lot of information from Imgur, so I don't I don't know if I can talk about that. Sci- scientists are looking for this. Now, it's not confirmed at all that there is a mysterious ninth planet out there. 10th if you go back 20 years. Yeah. But um, they're now starting to look to see if truly there is uh, a humongous planet out there. It's it's huge, right? It's it's much bigger than the Earth. Orbits about 600 times farther out than than the sun from the sun than I think we do. But um, there was, uh, I don't know, a, a couple of actual astronomers that came to the defense of, you know, astronomy. <laughs> yeah. And... and Oh, you, no. mean, you mean astronomers who were in the pocket of big astronomy? Of big astronomy. They were like, no, New York Post. Uh, there's not even a confirmation that there's a planet out there, so please stop saying that it could kill us this month. <laughs> that uh-huh. would be a pretty fast-moving planet. Now, Dave, you've seen ancient aliens, right? I have. They talk a lot on there about Planet X. Oh, yeah. It's hugely popular on there. It's popular in a lot of places. There's even a Twilight Zone about it. You know, like the idea that maybe not necessarily Planet X, but the idea there was a popular theory that they, I think they called it Nemesis. Sometimes it's a a, a Earth-sized planet that op, that orbited on the perfect other side of the sun from us, so that ah, we never knew it was there. Correct. Yeah. Well done. That is the that's the thing. There are two, maybe three, if you count Planet X as one. Yeah. But Nibiru. Nibiru, yep. And then there's Nemesis. Now, like you said, Nemesis is, uh, it's it's theorized to be a, a small star or a brown dwarf, which is like a failed star. 
that yeah is is kind of in in perfect uh blind spot from from us and they say that its gravitational pull sometimes pulls uh comets out of the Oort cloud yep and uh will just chuck them at earth because it's mad jealous yo <laughs> um and, but it, that they say that's what causes all the mass extinctions every 26 million years or so uh-huh. <laughs> That he just whizzes by and just brings just a, a whole bus full of, of eager tourist comments. <laughs> and, and destroys the local economy. <laughs> right. And everything else. In Nibiru, no, and we've talked about this uh, a scattering of times, I think, but it's uh, a proposed large planet that conspiracy theorists have predicted will crash into and destroy the Earth. Now, they think that the orbital path of Nibiru will bring it in contact with our orbital path and since it's so big it'll it has a good chance of just t-boning us huh i feel like i feel like that would probably kill hundreds of people at least <sighs> hundreds <laughs> let that number sink in there there's a theory that it happened before and that's where the moon came from yeah now you know that's that is a theory that not necessarily has nibiru stamped on it but that something crashed into us in the old formation stage and yeah. lobbed off a you know big chunk which formed into the moon. But um, you know Nibiru was supposed to be the 2012 prediction. That's that's what the apocalypse was for that. And here's the problem, though. <laughs> oh oh, sh- there's a problem. I got you a problem here. Uh oh. Planet X, Nibiru, Nemesis, Planet Nine. Uh huh. They're the, none of them are the same theory. Right. Yeah, they are they are, they're each got their their own right. story. But people are conflating They've each got them. their own little thing that they like. They 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 each got different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Only two of them are going to drive off the well, cliff holding hands. America is a melting pot. So you just come on in, you bring your Nibirus, your Nemesis, uh your Planet Xers, your Gen Xers, and we'll we'll give you a job if you want to work. Rock and roll, drugs and sexers. That's right. But just no Mexicans. Because I'm making America great again. Jeez. I'm engaging in the most ironic campaign slogan ever. So uh, so that's what I got. That they, The bottom line is, no, there's not a confirmed humongous planet out there that is causing this stuff. But there could be, and right now, no chance of, of us getting destroyed by it. Right. There's as good a chance of that as there is not, I think, at this point. Right? Well, I feel like, yeah, I mean, you know, long cycle orbits and stuff notwithstanding, if it's that far out, it doesn't really affect us. And I wonder, though, like, I wonder what the orbit would have to look like to for that to work properly, because then I, I, I keep wondering how useful that would be. You know, does the orbit bring it inside the orbital paths of other planets? It's got to get closer if it wants to mess with us. Um, so there's a chance it would knock into any of the other planets, which make it highly unstable as it passes even more massive planets like Jupiter. They would all exert their own pull if it actually gets inside the orbital range of, you know, our classical eight planets. So that that's kind of interesting because then you think, okay, well, if it if for the entirety of its orbit, it stays outside of of the, the largest of our eight planet orbits. And I. I, then I, I mean, there's got to be what do they call that a Lagrange point, where the 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 gravity is. So where the kids go to make out. Exactly. 
uh, we, we're, you know, like they want to put um, a space station at the Lagrange point between uh, it's where the, the point at which two gravity wells perfectly cancel each other out. So there's one between actually there's more than one, but they're between the earth and the moon where you just put something there and it perfectly the, the attraction of the moon and the attraction of this of the earth cancel each other out and it just hangs there. And there's there's Lagrange points between the Earth and the Sun between um, a lot of these things. You know, it's easier. Um, and I I don't I don't rightly know if there if you can have a Lagrange point between two bodies that are orbiting a third body because they're moving relative to each other so much. I don't think you can do that. But there's one between the Earth and planet X if it's moving in a regular orbit. You know, maybe you could put a space station on that. I don't know. Hmm. I, I was trying to think of out loud of what's the what's it good for what could we do with that aside from maybe having a an extra solar um point for uh uh gravity assist mm-hmm. but if you've gone all the way out there where the f- are you trying to get to now you know like where, where are you trying to go that that gravity assist helps you planet tin yeah exactly uh it's just turtles all the way down man <laughs> it's just it's weird to me to think that it would come around almost like a comet, you know, have a close, I would right, think that it would have close a close, yeah, close orbit. And then rip way back out. Go back out, but then be pulled back in. I mean, well, there's plenty of things. I mean, just like you said, comets, you know. Comets, uh, yeah. Halley's Comets, what, 73 year? It's true, but uh, that's, orbit? that's small, relatively. Right, but, but, but the, the size doesn't matter. Uh. <laughs> you know, like it, anything can have that style of orbit but what my concern is halley's comet is not very massive so yeah it can duck the fuck out of the solar system and it can show back up like a drunk uncle and and rip around and unless it actually physically hits something it's too small to mess with much right now planet nine a large solid massive righteous actual planet no pluto bullshit comes ripping into the solar system that is going to disrupt everything that's a bowling ball going through a t-set and so i wonder a if i I would imagine that you would see some sort of evidence in that in the past i mean because orbits it's like a a big pond maybe it hit whatever was between mars and jupiter it could have except for well yeah except for that was a very small item as well i mean if you took everything from that asteroid belt and put it together, it's less massive than our moon. Yeah. But if, uh, you know, I feel like a massive, something that massive, I would imagine, would even do something like, say, destabilize Saturn's rings. Um, or, you know, there would be ripples left from something, that even, yeah. you know, if it was on 26,000 or even a 200,000 year cycle, that you would see the the secondary effects of that somehow. Mm-hmm. If something that big came crashing through like like ball lightning through a, through a living room, <laughs> through um, a wardrobe. Yeah, I, I I would I would imagine you would still be able to find evidence of that. Yeah, well, maybe that's what they're starting to see as it gets closer again. Dun 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 dun. dun. Planet X, Nemesis, Nemesis. <laughs> I dig it. Nibiru. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, there you go. Yeah, I, I, I fun, like that. Fun space speculation. Well, you know, we like to have fun. We. Do. We have that. I've got I've got something that is directly up yon alley. Is this the is this the stunner for 
No. Okay. Saving Save it. it. Well, I we can't overhype it. Okay? okay. It's just I just thought it was a cool story. So let's not it's make the it. CVP. Yeah. You got to hear it. Oh, yeah. Let's let's not make it the the solution to all problems. Uh, how about this cool fun fact? A very extraordinarily rare first folio of Shakespeare uh, was found in a uh, a Scottish mansion. Yeah, uh, apparently there are only uh, 234 known copies of the first folio, which seems like a lot, you know. It does. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, still 234. I'm sure it's worth more than $15. Um, <laughs> it's uh, the, the, the castle or giant house or mansion, however you want to call it, is Mount Stuart, which is on oh. Scotland's Isle of Butte. Ugh, I... Um, and it, uh, is the home of the seventh Marquess of Butte. <laughs> how does that, how's that spelled? B-U-T-E. All right. <laughs> you know, okay. I like it. I, I just wondered. Now, the, the weirdest thing is that the, the family, this article kind of goes on to just kind of talk about the, the family that had this, the, the folio is listed on an 1870, uh, issue of Scott's magazine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was listed in um, 1896 when they did a a private for the family only catalog of all books, but no one really they didn't announce that they didn't publish it. No one really knew it was there. The family is kind of like obsessed, or at least was back then, with modern conveniences. It was one of the first uh, heated indoor swimming pool. Um, it was the first uh, first home in Scotland to be purpose built with electric light. It had central heating. And a telephone and uh, a passenger, what they call a Victorian passenger lift, which I assume is some sort of shitty elevator. Yeah, sure. Um, and uh, so, yeah, they were like super futurist. It was like home of the future. They were uh, 19th century Jetsons. <laughs> that's, that's wild. Yeah. And, and the whole time that they're so busy living in the future, they've nobody got. Nobody thinks to look at the bookshelf. Yeah, exactly. And this thing has just been sitting there uh, well, the whole books time. Books are part of the past. Right. Who's got time now, for those? Let me let me see. Uh, a first folio of Shakespeare is basically it was the first copy of the plays written out. Um, well, it's all of the the original plays plus eighteen orig- uh, initial plays that were never printed in Shakespeare's lifetime. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So so I guess it's a total of thirty six plays. And uh, while there were uh, Shakespeare's plays had been published in quarto. Prior to 1623, the first folio is the only one that had, uh, it's the only reliable text for, I guess, according to Wikipedia for like 20 of those plays. Mm. Um, I, I could be wrong then about what, what I said. I, I feel like the, see, as a, as an actor with the, the folios for Shakespeare, if, if you're performing Shakespeare, one school of thought is you want to get your hands on the folio edition of the script because they're written out with liner uh, notes sort of yeah like uh pauses would be written in there or where you you pick up like it, it they're they're clues within yeah. the text and how it's written so something will be written on the left side of um of the page but then a response will be written a little like in indented which mm-hmm. means you pick up on the the last line as if it were conversation normal you keep going but then there are, there are little tricks. If there's a pause or something, it'll be indicated in there with uh, some kind of um, punctuation or even the uh, iambic pentameter would be off. So there would be 
uh, an 11, mm-hmm. let's say, uh, in the line instead of 10, 11 syllables, which means... The whole audience just goes... <gasps> the, the audience goes, huh, and uh, yeah, and you, and you would just... <laughs> you would anyways that and you don't necessarily need a folio for that trick but you know there, there's little stuff in there that supposedly helps uh the actors and in in shakespeare's time they wrote the scripts in ways where actors could learn them quickly uh-huh. and there were tricks to help them learn learn that this and that so anyways uh, folio editions are supposed to be helpful to to actors who uh, are doing the shakespeare it makes me wonder you know like how many old European houses there are with old European libraries. Oh yeah. And and how how many thought to be not only rare but thought to be completely extinct books are just sitting on a shelf somewhere. Stuff like that needs to get out more so that yeah. you know people check. Oh god yeah. Get in there and start rutting around. You know what it reminds me of that classic DuckTales episode. I'm reminded of an episode of Duck Tales. Tales of ducks. <laughs> Wherein Master Scrooge tried to impart wisdom onto his three young nephews, Huey, Dewey, and Lewis. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> Dear and lay, the Being impertinent youths, they sought to mock their elder, the knowledge he gave to them, seeking instead adventure with their friend Launchpad. <laughs> <laughs> and Whippigan. <laughs> All the while earning the enmity of the Beagle Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, life (laughs) was like a hurricane for them whilst they resided in Duckburg. (laughs) All right. All right. Enough of that. Man, that was a tasty self indulgence. Yeah, I I like that. Just smoking jacket, (laughs) pipe, deep leather chair, and waxing on one camera in a room with a roaring fire. Oh. Hello there. <laughs> As an old coot <laughs> just describes a cartoon he once watched. <laughs> oh, okay, thousand dollars a month Patreon. That's that's <laughs> Lo, there was a barbarian <laughs> in the lands of Eternia who had the power. <laughs> Uh, right. <laughs> to which Stimpy grew quite frightened of Red. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Okay. So yeah, there you go. Cool. Yeah, that's, they, that's a good one. I yeah. had not heard of that one. I at thought all. I thought you'd be into that on account of you being such a candy ass. Zing. <laughs> on account of you being listed full page spread in Scott's <laughs> magazine. <laughs> uh, all right. This one I got one here coming Emphasis from on the spread. Coming from uh, uh, Micah Hanks. Oh, wrote, wrote an article over at uh, Mysterious Universe. Uh huh. Um, not not trying to steal from you, Micah. I I enjoyed the article. I just, I'm trying to steal from you all the time, but whatever the password is to your Gmail account, tough to crack. <laughs> tough to crack. Also, your iTunes impenetrable. But this one's entitled "The Weird Tale of the Man Who Discovered Gravity Shielding UFO-Like Technologies." Oh. That you know what they covered that in one of those new X Files. Oh, did they? Yeah, it was like right out the gate. Did you re- did you watch those? I watched, I think, two of them. Hmm. 
But I, that I was no it. more of them than two of them. I just finished Mr. Robot. Did you ever see that? No. It's one of those shows that David Flora would like. Nice. Uh, you know, I, I don't have time to watch anything else because I'm I'm so so busy cleaning up the streets of New York with my fellow detectives of the Special Inve- uh, Victims Unit. Oh, Me yeah. and Mariska Hargitay. Yeah, well, I thought I'd try it out. It's it's a ha- a hackerman show, and oh. it's all all about taking down the corrupt elite and rich rich fat ponies. cats. Yeah, the fat cat. Anyway, watched it. Nice. <laughs> That's all. Uh, so the weight. No. <laughs> You're so, trying to tell me there's a there's a fe- there is a fella named. Um, they call him Eugene, thankfully, <laughs> but his name's Evgeny Podkletnov. Uh huh. Yevgeny was, is what you're trying to say. Is it Yevgeny? Tuck. Thanks, Dupa. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, oh. He was born in Russia, and he uh, he pursued his learning at um, the University of Chemical Technology at Russia's Mendeleev Institute. Nice. Moscow, and then he from make benefit glorious nation, and then that's right, and then he um, he studied at the Institute for High Temperatures with the Russian Academy of Sciences. <laughs> is that the is that where they studied malaria? Or um, and then he went to Finland and worked at the Tampere University of Technology. You know, that's the country where I quite want to be. Mm-hmm. So he he got a lot of work in with uh, superconductors and and the like, and. Apparently there was there was one time back in 92 he was observing a rotating ceramic superconducting disc and he noticed that when it was positioned in close close proximity to electromagnets that were below this disc the effect of gravity on objects above it seemed to lessen so what does that mean I'm I'm going to I'm going to let you finish which I mean earnestly but I'm 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 already going to I've already got some things to discuss with you on that Okay. Yeah. Just I'm, I, want, I want to prepare you. Keep it in your pocket, Kanye. Basically, there was he he noticed that there was something to the movement of a spinning disc, particularly in relation to magnets in close proximity to it, that tended to warrant strange observable effects. All right. And it it came about from uh, watching pipe smoke around it. Apparently, hmm. uh, smoke would come over. And uh, there's a quote: "Smoke in a pipe." Bong and a blitz. Yeah. Uh, there was a uh, a quote um, that Micah included, uh, f- I think from him, saying someone in the laboratory was smoking a pipe. The pipe smoke arose in a column above the superconducting disc. So we placed a ball-shaped magnet above the disc attached to a balance. The balance behaved strangely. We substituted a non-magnetic meta- material, silicon, and still the balance was very strange. We found that any object above the disc lost some of its weight, and we found that if we rotated the disc, the effect was increased. He wrote a paper on it saying that uh, it was pretty much a physical shield against the Earth's gravitational field, lessening the apparent weight of an object by as much as 2%. Okay, so that's uh, that, that kind of ties into the thought of uh, flying saucers. Or mm-hmm. people's witnessing discs, you know, that, that move counterintuitive to any known propulsion system that we have right now or know of. And they're basically saying, is that the most efficient shape for an aircraft to 
propel itself against the forces of gravity. Now, he, he tried to uh, publish a paper on this. He, he tried to get the, the findings out there, tried to get more work done on it. And uh, a BBC report from 2002 actually said that Boeing had begun to get involved in anti-gravity research. And then uh, Boeing later refuted the claims and then said that they weren't involved at all and then also admitted that if they were to be questioned about anything secret or clandestine, they would be forced to do, to deny it anyway. Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess which is always true. True. A little weird, but true. Yeah. So that's when a sort of uh, conspiracy began to arise, I guess coming from pod Klitnov himself uh, or, oh. or talk, talking saying that you know this is what's going on because Yevgeny. there is a uh, he, he said there was an ongoing repression by the quote unquote gravity establishment oh for f- sake now this is you know big gravity big gravity yeah, yeah people all the, who are just it's it's all FedEx all it's all companies that are making money on how hard it is to put things in the air but you know uh, with there were a lot of difficulties he had to secure a, a peer review on this. And uh, some of it was, I guess, rather suspect, not, a, not maybe enough to warrant a, a whole conspiracy or that there is a big gravity against him, but uh, enough to be like, well, he's not getting any help for what he's trying to accomplish here and, and getting shut down right and left. Right. Which it. you'll find this with, with other people uh for example that guy who said that vaccines cause autism he's not getting a lot of support from the scientific mainstream you know like he's getting shut down a lot you know and he's still peddling his story like here's 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 where i take issue with this you know everyone has seen um uh the you know maglev trains operate on uh magnetic induction lift or uh uh if you cool a superconductor, it, it will hover there. You can spin it. It mm-hmm. still works. Yeah. But when he said, oh, I, I noticed that a superconductor over an electromagnet seemed to decrease the force of gravity. False. Absolutely not true. If I strap a rocket to you, you're going to go straight into the air. I have not decreased the gravity on you one bit. But what I have done is introduce another force to the equation that means you go straight up. Sure. So- Saying that you are nullifying the effects of gravity would be monumental, and that's not what's happening there. That is not what he's he's assuming a bad. Uh, he's assuming an action that's not really taking place. Now, then you you've got the second question. He puts the the device, which I'd like to see. You know, it's, I was trying to like conceptualize it as you sure. described that above it. Um, first of all, if you have a spinning disc. Yes, smoke is going to behave weirdly around it because you're creating a small localized vortex of air above it. Um, a couple of things that I'm curious about is that that the air would rise. I mean, typically, to my knowledge, and I, you know, I'm no expert on it, but um, most of those uh, levitating uh, superconductors have to be cooled. They're always frosted over. You know, they yeah pull them out of liquid nitrogen and they can hover for a while, which is why they don't use them all the time because it's hard to keep things that cold which you would think would, would draw smoke down because it would be a colder uh, air. But again, I don't, I don't really know. But to say, I mean, of co- I don't doubt for a second that Boeing was looking into anti-gravity. There's, I'm trying to remember what it was called, but there is another device that was popular in the 60s or 70s, kind of in the arcane techno lore 
uh, that was a box that someone had invented in their garage that when you plugged it in grew heavier. It was kind of the opposite of what this mm-hmm, guy's okay. describing that, but that the use of that, the employment of electricity to this device. And I, I'm sure listeners know what I'm talking about. I don't remember the name of it, made it heavier implying that you could manipulate the, uh, the gravity through electricity of something, but it's, it's always, that kind of idea has always been really out there fringe style. And to say, well, you know, no one's supporting my research, so it must be universally suppressed mm-hmm. is, um, it's the, you know, the, the haven for cowards or people who are unwilling to, to, to take another look at their work. I'm not saying that there's never been anything suppressed in the history of anything because it happens a ton, but what he's describing in, in, even in his own terms is, is to my opinion, flawed. I wonder if there's something to be said between your wording and his wording Yeah, in the fact that he's not saying that gravity is, what did you say? Well, he, when, in that when like read the very first sentence of that, cause remember it was right off the bat where he said, Oh, that when you put a, a electromagnetic electromagnet under a superconductor, it decreases the force of gravity on it. Uh, the effect uh, of gravity on objects being suspended above it seemed to lessen. Blam. Now, that's kind of like a lawyer way of, of going about describing it, well, to, I mean, to my mind. It matters. I mean, when you- I'll follow that thought up. Yeah. It, 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 how you describe a thing is extraordinarily important. And if sure. he's just, you know, bad translation, bad at English, you know, well, that could have come through in different, another different ways. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's that. Uh, but that, to me, sounds like a way of, instead of saying gravity is canceled out or there's no gravity here, gravity has no power here. <laughs> right. <laughs> he is saying, and it's written all over this article here, that it's being shielded, that the the object is being shielded from gravity, therefore uh, reducing whatever's above it, the weight of that by 2%. Right. And even even then, I mean, that's, the, the, I don't think there's a difference there. Like the forces of gravity are, are you know, they, they granted there's a ton we don't get. I mean, we, hell, we just saw gravity gravity waves, what, a month, yeah. two months ago. You know, so much work to be done in the field, but to say that you're shielding something from gravity as opposed to, uh, accounting for some other lifting factor. I mean, everyone's seen these things float, uh, the superconducting that's, it's on the cover of every magazine. You can pull it up on YouTube with no problems. It is, it is a hell of a leap to say, oh no, no, there isn't any other force at play here. It simply lives in a, in a decreased gravity bubble that I've created. That's a hell of a leap. Well, but what if there is something to it? So you, you're talking about the little disc that's, that's mm-hmm. super cooled and it's spinning. Yeah. Above that, what if it does create some kind of well, well or shield just directly? It doesn't even have to be forever. But what if like right above that, something does have a better chance of floating or, or uh, weighing less? Well, does that you, make sense? You, 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 know you have to. Here's the thing. Like saying what if is all well and good he has to describe what's happening you 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 can't well, maybe he did maybe you have to go to the, you know like that that's the thing in, in in granted you know maybe this is like the suppressed find of the century but if he if that if those are i mean first of all those are not difficult to reproduce conditions that guy is not working with unobtainium or f-ing kryptonite like he's got things that that you and i could get off the internet and try this experiment this weekend if we wanted 
it's just what, whenever I see the, these kind of claims, you know, like bad science or, or kind of falsified science and you see it with, um, uh, zero point energy, you see it with cold uh, fusion, room temperature fusion, all of those things. There's perpetual motion, perpetual motion. There's always this moment where a person's understanding of physics takes a slight semantic left turn. And that tiny semantic turn of phrase makes for a huge difference. There are no number of people that have invented scientific things like, no, 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 read the paper. It all, it all checks out. And they're like, oh no, no. See right here. Well, you, you swapped these two terms and it makes a difference because no, no, you don't understand it. I have to take it to someone else. Perhaps, but wouldn't that warrant a peer review then? Wouldn't that be the whole thing that would end this? My understanding is that he got a peer review and didn't like how it turned out. No, he, he couldn't get a peer review. No one would peer review it. And he's, he's basically saying that it's big gravity. <laughs> Yeah, well, saying no, we're not even going to well, try this because we like our gravity based. Then I would stuff. say that he got his peer review. I mean, it's it's not a court of law. No one's entitled to their right. day in court. Sure. And but if this is happening, it, I think it warrants a a second look. From so that means that he submitted his paper. I think he tried to to get it. Let me let me see real quick because you can submit things. I mean, I can submit letters to the editor all day. Maybe they read it, maybe they didn't. But if they don't publish it, it doesn't mean I'm being suppressed. It says, one American company, while apparently under-equipped for the tests in his estimation, in Podklinov's estimation, nonetheless were alleged to have been, quote-unquote, silenced, according to Podklinov, due to the ongoing repression created by gravity establishment. Yet, it does begin to seem that with time, there could be something more to it. And this is where it goes on to say that uh, the difficulties he had seen while attempting to secure peer, peer review and other serious academic interest had been squelched by certain members of the so-called establishment that he spoke so often of. See, and, and here's the thing. I, it's hard to know for sure. Yeah. Scientists but, love science, you know, and you're hearing this, you know, this is kind of his, his view on things. Um, but the gravity establishment I mean, there's, there's no shortage of scientists who still get their, their papers done. I mean, like take, we've talked about this before the, the group of scientists who think that time is a completely nonsensical construct that we invented that doesn't really exist, but it just helps us make sense of our surroundings. You know, right. that's, that's some outside baseball. That's, that's, that is not a popularly held belief sure. yet. Those people still get, you know, their papers you know, published and people are like, yeah, I don't know about that. Well, big physics is not into that. Right. You know, the, 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 the gravity, big gravity, it just, it just sounds like a guy who had an idea and doesn't feel like it got respected enough. Maybe there is the point that's brought up in here that it may be around the time of uh, project blue book. Now it, it wasn't around that time, but it was, uh, it had a lot of the same flavor, I guess, mm -hmm. of, of a project blue book type of scenario where, Scientists were encouraged to debunk UFO reports and, and you know, claims of outlandish uh, science. They were basically trying to put the kibosh on stupid stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, but that's, I that's all, also a long shot, though. Like, right. I mean, how many, maybe, maybe how many not. scientific advances have gotten through the filter of whatever is keeping us repressed that we have considered to be like wholly outlandish that now, you know? that now we take, I mean, you know, uh, we take, for granted every day. I mean, 10 years ago, 
10 years ago, no iPhones, no smartphones. Now it's, it's, it's the middle of, of everybody's life. You know, like that's a, that's a big leap. That's a lot of technology having GPS in your hand all the time. Mm-hmm. These are huge things that, you know, that affect everybody's life. It affects how everything works. Like large leaps in technology happen. Yeah. Um, and so you can't, you know, you're proving a negative like, oh, well there's more, but they were all repressed. Mm, maybe, maybe who, you know, and well. that's, and that's what, that's where these things kind of gain traction. Personally, uh, I consider that to be n- not legit. You, you wouldn't waste your time on looking into that more. No, I wouldn't. I really wouldn't. Um, and I'll tell you why. And, uh, is that you're not a physicist because I'm not a physicist. That's the first and most important <laughs> rule of that is that what that guy saw and is describing is something that has been researched so much by so many places. I mean, superconductor research, maglev technology, these aren't new. And Epcot's got that. Shit. They got monorails, man. That name again, <laughs> monorail, uh, you know, uh, mag- uh, roller coasters. Most of them use maglev induction. Now it is, it is a known technology. It's a thing that happens all the time. Yeah. But it's devil's yeah. advocate. Of course, he's not talking about that technology. He's talking about something that was observed with it. According to him. According to him. And, nev- and never reproduced. I guess not. I'll link to it, of course, yeah. in the show notes. You can go read. I, I, I really paraphrased Micah's art- article and with also quoting directly from it some. But yeah. uh, uh, it's, you know, it's an interesting read. And um, maybe we're, maybe I left something out in here. Yeah. that's important. I'd like, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that I feel like would, if, if for no other reason would show up, you know, like uh, my, my biggest thing about whenever you talk about repressed technology or things like that is if I have, you know, the secret to anti-gravity here on my tablet, or, um, if I, if I know how to make a car that runs on water, mm-hmm. you know, that's one another one you hear a lot about. Right. It doesn't do me any good to not let anybody have it. You know, I don't, I don't gain advantage by killing it entirely. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if I've got a car that runs on water and you don't, now I've got an advantage. If both our cars run on water, and I understand that you could say, well, if you're, if you work for a petrochem company, no, it makes sense for no one to have the car that runs on water yeah. until one guy does have the car. <laughs> and then he's like, you petrochem i just beat you yeah you know like it and then you never hear from him again (laughs) um you know it those kind of advances have to be if they're deployed nowhere then they they might as well not exist and you're right back to point one again (laughs) saying something exists but no one can touch it or have it is is you know no different than it not existing sure no um well that's that's that (laughs) yeah i like that though all right dude I've got a story for you here. You ready? You ready for some shit? Yeah. Is this the one you're jazzed about? Yes, it is. From Infowars.com. Oh, oh no. Oh, oh, oh no. Chuck Norris takes on chemtrails. Martial arts legend accuses, quote, sky criminals of waging secret war on public. (laughs) 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 More like Skywalker, Texas Ranger. Oh my God! Oh he's yeah, he's gonna put a boot squarely in. Oh, chemtrails. He's he absolutely is. Oh, 
In a shocking World Net Daily editorial, the Walker Texas Ranger star warned governments may already be covertly subjecting populations to weather modification experiments <laughs> by my water filters. Wow. Yeah, he wrote this huge ass thing. It is absolutely glorious. Quote, it's a long time coming there, Chuck. Yeah, whatever, whatever the intent or justification and whether or not the purpose is for mass vaccinations or some other devious plot, writes Norris. If you don't believe there's some smoke screening in the sky trails above you, I have a London bridge to sell you in Lake Havasu City, Arizona. Very specific place. (laughs) Jeez. Absolutely. Yeah. Chuck, Chuck is no longer f***ing around. He even dragged Prince out of the casket to quote some of his uh, music to make his point, which is, I think, oh my despicable. Gosh. Wow. Uh, yeah, he he kind of used a lot of musicians to help bolster his point. He quoted uh, uh, the recently deceased Merle Haggard. Um, uh, Merle wouldn't care. Oh, no, no. Uh, Merle did care. Uh, in the song, What I Hate, he wrote, What I hate is looking up and seeing chemtrails in a clear blue sky today. Uh, melody by Dave Stecco. Wow. Uh, and it's, it's great. It's, it's, uh, talking about geoengineering, um, that we are engaged in solar radiation management and carbon dioxide removal. I don't know much about solar radiation management. I really don't, but yes, we are trying to do a lot of work in carbon dioxide removal. That is a thing that the planet is working on. Oh yeah. With carbon, carbon sequestration, sequestration, sequester. Um, let's just call it carbon capturing. There's a really great quote in here. Hold on. Chuck Norris provides real solutions to our country's problems and a way to reawaken the American dream in his bestseller, Black Belt Patriotism. Oh my God. Guitars! Hawk sound. Hell yes. Everything about this is awesome. I don't know. He, so, he plans to personally go and kick the shit out of every American until they accept that the government is trying to control your minds. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you know what you know? You know what you call global warming? When he decides to do push-ups. That was, a, that was the that was my that was my really great joke I just made up. Your Chuck Norris joke. My Chuck Norris joke. Uh, do you know that um, if colloidal silver loves its family, it gets colloidal Chuck Norris. <laughs> <laughs> gets Chuck Norris to protect its family. Yeah. You know that that uh, Chuck Norris is a water filter, <laughs> a natural water. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah. Do you know Chuck Norris can house up to three FEMA camps <laughs> in his hat? Oh my God! Do you know uh, when Chuck Norris uh, goes camping? It is a Walmart. <laughs> it's inside of his tent. I see. Yeah, that's what I do. Did you know uh, Chuck Norris's legs were actually two Vietnamese children? <laughs> that's weird. Um, we, I had some friends in, in college. We did a bunch of... They weren't Chuck <laughs> Norris because Chuck Norris wasn't that popular wasn't the at the thing time. Yet. But, but it was one of those same ideals. Chuck Norris is actually a satellite in an incredibly low geosynchronous orbit. This whole thing goes on to like one of the things that they're that they're really into is about mass vaccinations in the air. Uh, and there there was like a 2003 study that was like, I don't know, would this work? You know, an actual study. Yeah, an actual an actual not an peer reviewed study. I don't know if it was peer reviewed, but yeah, there was 
Uh, it references a, 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 a 2003 abstract from the National Center for Biotechnology Information. Um, just to say, you know, like, I don't know, would this, would, is this a thing that would be a better way to vaccinate large population groups? Just, just, just do it without their consent. No, but like, no, it, it, it's, it's about physically, would that work? Uh, sure. Could okay. you, could you so, actually do that? I see. We're not into the morals yet. We're into no, the techni- yeah. technical aspect. Yeah. yeah okay. Don't worry. The morals always kick in about 15 years after they start doing it. Hello, Agent Orange. Right, exactly. Yeah, no. I, I listen. I I am not saying that I don't think the government would do despicable things, um. But now it has to deal with with motherfucking Chuck Norris. So what's Chuck Norris think of fluoride? Watch yourself. I'm sure he's against it. I'm sure he's against it. I mean, one of the one of the main things I think fluoride is is sketchy. Back from when we did our research on it, is that we're not giving consent for them to put this in our water. Right. Besides the fact that it's it does, listed as and as as being in your water, well, besides the fact that it doesn't need to be ingested to work, that's weird. But I don't want to get on, on the fluoride. <sighs> we we already did that episode. Ugh. I just that seems like something that he and Alex Jones could double team. Oh, they are. They are absolutely they, doing all of those things. They'll, um, they'll do like an Eiffel Tower on that one. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that is, and I don't want to know. If you do, wink. Jesus. <laughs> never never tell me what that is. Wow. That well, that's amazing. What's the next step? Oh, the next step is another great quote. Okay. Let's the see here. Of Texas is upon. Is that how it goes? I don't know. Oh, here's a, yeah, this I is justice. I I enjoy this part of it. Sorry, I was reading, so I didn't nah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm babbling. Uh interestingly, on September second, twenty fifteen, just two weeks after it was published. Uh, an entire 16-page scientific article was suddenly and completely retracted from the journal based upon only two chemical composition questions and an overarching explanation with no further explanation than this. The language of the paper is is often not sufficiently scientific, uh, scientifically objective for a research article. Really? Which is, this is what we were just talking about. This is why papers get rejected all the time. You don't necessarily, you're not entitled to your day in court. When they read it over and they're like, this is no, hmm. um, really it's time to wake up America. I'm not Shakespeare, but something is definitely rotten in the state of Denmark. Wow. We're, I actually just stitched like three of our stories together, right? With that awesome ass Chuck Norris quote. <laughs> God, why don't we have more Chuck Norris quotes? I'm not Shakespeare, but if you love your family, if you don't love your family, thou dost love thine family. Yeah, so there you go. I've I've been so excited about that since I saw it. Wow. God, it's got Alex Jones, Chuck Norris, Chemtrails, Chemtrails. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Yeah. Let's see. I've got a twofer here. Oh yeah. My my last one here is a twofer, uh, and it's all from Egypt. Whoa, I've heard of that place. Uh, first one coming to us from Live Science. This is. Uh, an article entitled Building for- a Mystery with Sarah McLaughlin <laughs> with, with ephemeral Lagazi. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Building the Mystery. <laughs> this is entitled Building for Egypt's First Female Pharaoh Discovered. Whoa. Ancient stone blocks depicting Queen Hatshepsut had been discovered on Egypt's Elephantine Island. 
providing insights into the early years of her reign. Sweet. They think that the, the blocks may have been part of a building that served as a way station for an ancient Egyptian deity. Hmm. It says uh, on several of the blocks, Queen Hatshepsut was res- represented as a woman uh, when it was erected during the early part of the first female pharaoh's reign, which lasted from 1473 BCE to 1458 BCE. Damn, that was a long time ago. Later, she was depicted as a male or just outright expunged from the records. Revisionist history. After her death, a lot of her images were defaced and replaced with images of a male king. And that was believed to be her stepson slash nephew, Tutmose III, that had that done. Yeah. Um, we just talked about Tutmose. Yeah, we did. Uh, what's interesting about this is that there aren't many uh, depictions of the women pharaohs, primarily because there weren't a lot of women pharaohs, uh, but also because you know some of them were defaced or, or got rid of. And a fellow by the name of Chip Brown in a National Geographic feature said she was one of the greatest builders in one of the greatest Egyptian dynasties. She apparently erected and renovated many temples and shrines during her reign. I respect that. She's a builder. That's a, that, that's a, a, a cool uh, piece of history that's come out. Finally getting some respect. Hell yes. And then to build on that, I've got the oldest depiction of ancient Egyptian demons found. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> A Belgian-based Egyptologist has discovered the oldest depictions of ancient Egyptian demons, showing that demonic entities populated the ancient Egyptians' imaginations as far back as 4,000 years ago. Damn, son! Uh, Two demons on two Middle Kingdom coffins that are about 4,000 years old were found. Who's putting demons on their coffin? Seems like of all the places to find a demon, it's like the worst. Get this. It was presented recently at the International Conference on Ancient Egyptian Demonology. There's a thing. <laughs> we got uh, all of them from all over the world. So <laughs> don't worry. We just have one six-seat conference table. And they said these demons gripped their victims and cut off their heads. There was a third demon depicted in a 4,000-year-old leather roll that they had previously discovered in the shelves of, an, of a museum in Cairo uh, where it was just like... The Shakespeare folio put on a shelf and forgotten for 70 years. Ugh. What's cool was uh, they, these three demons, apparently they'd already, they already knew about them from other ancient texts, uh, but depictions of a couple of them weren't seen until they found these, these religious texts on coffins. Two demons, one called Intep, which was pictured as a dog-like baboon, and Karibinat, which was depicted as an unspecified figure with... Ha- with human head, with a human head, I mean, whatever, hmm. appear as guardians at the entrance of a complex building, could possibly have, a temple. Could have been a bunyip. It could have been the uh, the dog-faced baboon. They contain several chambers guarded by other demonic entities. Uh, the texts, they said, link this building to the moon god Thoth and the bark of the sun god. And that apart from their names, no accompanying textual elements refer to the tasks of these demons, but they said the name of the first de- demon, Intep, 
made denote his dangerous role in severing heads as a punishment to any intruder of the sacred space. So that's why they would put them on coffins as protectors, as opposed to just a demon like we would think being bad to anything. Yeah. Uh, The third demon, called Ikenti, was the guardian of a fiery gate that led to a restricted area concealing a divine image. So, so are these kind of like, I mean, not directly, but like kind of like a Cerberus kind of thing, sort of like a don't start, no shit, won't be no shit kind of demon. Like if you don't try to do the thing, I yes. won't try to do my thing. Yeah. That's what they look like. Uh, wow. I'll link to this. The third demon, Ikinti, was uh, the form of a large blur- bird with a black feline head. Cat bird. Cat bird. <laughs> And they said the texts indicate that this demon has a swift attack with inescapably powerful grip on whomever he sees. I think there's a little bit of flourish added to oh, yeah. the description there, but I like well, it. Well, he's got a, he's got X-Men powers. They got to be like, no, no, no. I know lots of people yeah. are quick and have a grip. Dude. You've no idea. Dude, this is not just another run-of-the-mill cat bird. Yeah, All right. This is not, this is not, demon. this is not your grandpa's r- quick gripper. The grip, grip and rip. is harder. The quickness, yeah. quicker than you've ever even heard of. Because <laughs> it's a demon. Uh, Intep, Caribinet, and Ikinti revealed that the elaborate and polychrome drawings of entities from the New Kingdom, which was a, lasted a, somewhere in the realm of 3,500 years ago, uh, have much older roots than previously thought. So, like I said, they've seen these guys before here and there, but never that old. Just, uh, just an insight into... It is how it our is, minds work. And you think about, you know, the thousands and thousands of years that that Egypt was up and running. Oh yeah. The entire Egyptian empire was, you know, expanding and contracting, but still I mean, and not even over that span of time, not even necessarily stable as you would call it, but but still there. Yeah. I mean it was stable and, enough. And yeah, and I wonder, I mean, you take like other civilizations, take the Romans, for example, you know, there is no more Roman empire, but everything that was Rome is still there, you know, obviously, you know, in ruins or things like that. But like, it's not as though it was like scoured from the earth. Right. You know? So I don't know. Those kind of things are fascinating to me. I, I, I talked whenever I, almost every single time I hang out with Ken height, we have the same conversation where I just wish I knew more about history. And then he just says, read a fucking book, Lummox. And then I'm like, I will probably not do that. Audible.com. Right. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> Audibletrial.com slash blurry photos. Nailed it. Uh, but no, I love that. I think that, I think that kind of stuff is fascinating when you, when you yes, see yeah. the belief that begat the belief that begat the legend that begat the myth that begat the current belief. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. And, Maybe should I wish more people would think about that. Maybe give you a little bit more perspective on on your belief. And that's what people don't care to think about right. in in that in terms of that. And that's where it's it's the shittiest <laughs> that these things are being destroyed right and left. Yeah. Well, you know? I mean, an actual quote from the Senate floor: "If English was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for America. It's good enough for the Mexicans." I mean, that's a whole new level of right, but that, but you know, it's, it's that weird assumption that like the way things are now is the way they've always been. And it's just, it's it's just not true. Small minds. And and it's not even, you know, not necessarily even like a religious issue. Just 
I mean, policies and ideas. I mean, people say there's nothing new under the sun. There's tons of new things, but there's also a ton of very old things that, that, you know, we didn't invent things. And I think that's why people get so frustrated by junior high kids, you know, because when you're a junior high kid, you think you've invented everything. I, I remember I used to think like that there was some, some industry somewhere that was inventing swear words. (laughs) <laughs> because, you know, as you get older, you hear more swear words that you didn't know about before. And I was like, oh, man, did you guys hear? They came out with a new word for penis. <laughs> you know, like I thought it was like like the 2016 models are out, you know, but it's because you think that you're inventing it. And that's why, you know, parents like that, that whole thing, like, oh, kids, you know, move out now while you still know everything, you know, oh, that, yeah. that kind of frustration. But we're, we're you know, as, as adults, we're no better, you know, like we. We kind of refuse to acknowledge, uh, especially here in America. Here's my diatribe. I don't like old people. I've been real clear about that. But we also don't treat our elderly very well here in the United States. We we tend to ignore them. True. Um, you know, but in other cultures, they don't. And they do a lot better for it. They do a lot better for incorporating them into their lives, for trusting their judgment, for trusting their experience. And even beyond the people that are alive now, we don't. We do a terrible job of looking at history. We use we use history as a, a a baseball bat to justify our present. You know, like all those those horse quotes people attribute to Thomas Jefferson that never happened. Don't tread on me. Yeah, like, you know, c- carting that out to to step on other people's liberties and stuff. Exactly. You know, there's there's so many it's a, such a myopic use of of uh, history and and other cultures and the the thousands and thousands of years of other civilizations that. The, the types of governments, the, the manner in which rule has gone, the manner in which laws have been written and enforced, you know, has happened in so many different ways. I, it's fascinating. I always wish I knew more about it. Well, read a book, Lummox. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It For the is record, Ken fun. has never called me a Lummox, but I saw it in his eyes. <laughs> I saw it in his <laughs> eyes, man. Your eyes don't lie. <laughs> uh, I think you, you've, You've done a fair part. You've you've read Guns, Germs, and Steel. You've read the the other Jared Diamond book, yeah. uh, Collapse. You've read the medical one that you oh gave yeah me that I didn't finish Scurvy. Um, it or was the, the no the, the one about the Spanish flu. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, influenza influenza. There's the alarming history of medicine. I but see those are all real specific. Like what I'd like to do, what I need to do someday. You collect them. Yeah, I do. I like, I, like no, I mean, you, 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 you read something specific and it just adds up, you know? And that's what I, I want to read more. I like, I want to read, uh, you know, who's really into this right now. Johnny robots is neck deep in Roman history. Super into it. I'd like to kind of go through that, like learn about Roman history and then pick a direction to go from there. Mm. I don't know. There is a, there's a really cool, um, I think not this recent week, but the week before it's hard to tell when this comes out, but uh, a really great episode of Ken and Robin talk about stuff, um, talking about the history of the uh, Egyptian god Bast. Yeah. Um, and uh, where the, the, the kind of history of that deity, the rise and fall of Bast, I, and what that god symbolized to people. Really fascinating, cool stuff. So mm-hmm. um, that, there's my little plug for Ken and Robin talk about stuff. It's a, it's a, it was a great episode. There you go. Do you have anything else for us this evening? I do. I do. I've got two two really uh Oh, before you before you get into the next thing. Yeah. Uh since a lot of uh, blur reavers have sent me 
a link to an article that said that a woman was killed on the Pope Lick trestle. Oh, sh- down there in Louisville, uh, looking for the goat man. Oh no. And you know, we talked to Jay Nathan couch about that and yeah. he was saying how people would go out on the train tracks. And one of the legends is if you make it across the, the bridge, the trestle, then goat man's supposed to appear to you. And apparently this was another case oh. where they didn't make it. There was a boyfriend and girlfriend. Apparently the girlfriend got hit by a train and thrown off the tracks, uh, and died. And, the boyfriend didn't and didn't have a scratch. I don't know if that means he outran it and got to the other side or didn't even go across or yeah. didn't go into those details. But yeah, a lot of people uh, sent me a, a link to that. Oh, I don't know, man. Like there's, uh, I'm all for going after stuff, looking for stuff, experiencing stuff firsthand, but there's a definite line where there's safety involved. You know what I mean? Oh like, Yeah. You 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 should know that where the line is to cross and where not, and I don't know. It's it's tough to hear about. Yeah, it is too bad. Sorry, folks. All right, I've got a a, a real super fast one from our friends over at Phantoms and Monsters. Looks like this week, uh, unknown figure captured by trail camera near Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Mothman, ever heard of it? Mothman oh, country. Oh, um, heard of it. <laughs> Uh, it looks like a gentleman by the name of Rob Shaw forwarded some photos from a trail camera about three miles uh, east of Point Pleasant. What's his name? Rob Shaw. Well, at least his name's not Rick. <laughs> oh, it's uh, we've got a link to it on the show notes. Uh, there is, uh, and, the, and I give them full points for this. Um, it, they gave a, an image taken kind of a before and after. Uh-huh. And I, I don't know right now myself, as I, as I look at the picture, I feel like this is not the, I mean, the height of the head could indicate anything from, uh, a small dog, large cat. All right. So don't pull over or don't look at your phone. If you're driving, right. Wait till you get somewhere. If you are somewhere and looking at this, I see two pictures here. There is a 24 minute difference give or take, in in time from the before to the after. Now, the after, if I'm looking at the right thing, there are two little glowing white orb-like things. Yeah. And they're saying that may or may not be the head. Is that right? Yeah, that I think I'm so. Because I feel like it looks like there's maybe some some legs coming down from that point. Again, it seems to follow the the body shape of sort of a, slightly lower than hip high animal uh-huh. um and and it's it's not a photographic effect it's not a, a problem with the camera because when you the nice thing is they have these two images right next to each other uh-huh. is that i can see the port you know the foliage that is you can put you can place the animal in the frame because you can see exactly oh here's the plant here's the animal is occluding that plant so you can kind of get an idea for whatever you're seeing is kind of where it's actually at it's you know and it's it's very black it's just a a black sort of thing in the photo i'll tell you right now i think this is bullshit nice i like where we're going in the fact that it it could be a creature of some sort now i don't of course know the area i'd like to see it during the day the second picture the one that supposedly has a creature in it Mm -hmm. if that if they're calling that eyes that's just dumb now 
what it looks like to me is a car with headlights on a road that's not too far away. And I do not see a body whatsoever. I see darkness around the foliage. Now, comparing to the first picture there, there is a little bit of difference in there. I I attribute that to maybe wind or just movement of the plants. It doesn't look like a body to me. It just looks like a little bit sharper uh, bits of darkness. But I would think that a car was going from right to left. And it could not, it, maybe it's not at all, you know, it could be out in the forest, no no path around, but doesn't it look kind of like the angle of headlights? Yeah, yeah because one of the, the lights, the quote-unquote eyes, is larger than the other. Mm-hmm. The one that's closer to the camera. Yeah. Now, the things that make me, here's what I think. I don't think this is a cryptid. I think this is any number of animals that live in a forest. So you do think it's an animal? I do, and I'll tell you why. Because there's a lot of animals that have reflective irises. Uh, not, sorry, not uh, tipid, uh, not, not tipida, irises. Tip, tipidna. Yeah, tipidna. where's Mark Soloff when you need him? He, tipidum. Tipidum. Yeah, I learned that one from Mark Soloff that have reflective tipidum. This is using, uh, I think, um, I don't know if it's real light or, or infrared uh, to, to illuminate, but this camera clearly has an illuminator on it. Uh, I think that it is a creature. Uh, a creature. It's a creature, which a is cratcher. somewhere between a creature and a critter, <laughs> um, because uh, I think that it is a reflective tapetum. Uh, I think that, and I, I don't know if this camera is using infrared. I assume it's some, some sort of IR eliminator. Otherwise, it's just be a big light in the middle of the woods all the time. But whatever this item, this, this cr- uh, critter is, you can see where the forward edge of it is actually getting illuminated by the light. Whatever it is, it's black. And light is shining on it um, to my eye. So that's kind of the way I'm interpreting it. Um, so I think this is a, an actual picture of something skulking through the woods. Now, if, if I wanted to go even further, I think there's enough in this picture to imply. And I think that's why this particular camera is pointed where it is a game trail. I think you can kind of see where the game trail goes from back, right to forward ground left. And I think this, this little little woods friend of the woods here this little thumper or bambi is just cruising right along that that trail uh i could try and make an argument of if if it were some kind of vehicle again yeah that's just seeing the the angle like you said one smaller than the other if there's no road nearby then of course that theory's out but if it were a car passing by you would get some of the light from the car coming through and i think it would cast sharper edges that yeah. way but i can see what you're saying with you know there being some uh of the sharper defined edges i just don't see where like its head would be like sticking out kind of yeah and kind but of the, dopey my other question is this is that all of the shadows are from the camera going backwards there's no shadows coming towards the camera where if there was headlights yeah you would see some alternate shadows is my thought i don't know i mean I encourage people to look at this picture. It's kind of a fun one. It's a cool one. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's, there, there is aside from the fact that, Hey, this is a picture. This is where it was taken. Um, that's all they're giving you, which I, I appreciate that actually. Yeah. It says three miles east of point pleasant, just off route two. And I'm like, like I said, I mean, it would be silly to point it at a road, I think. So, yeah, I think it was placed on purpose. I mean, it's called a sure. trail. It's called a trail cam for, Cry not loud. Put it on a game trail or something and see what you get. So, yeah. Cool picture. Cool pick, bro. Yeah, bro.
I think that'll do it though for our our news stories. Yeah, I dig it. That was a good one. Abril. Uh, once again, thank all of you for uh patreonating yes. our Patreon Asian. Please go over to uh, patreon.com slash blurry photos or follow the link on our website. You can get there and uh, support us and get a little something back. Yep. And we're, we're closing in. We are last time I looked, we are $83 away from the country album. Are we really? Yeah. So if you like liquor beer, yeah, if you like the the liquor beer intro, intro you're going to love. Uh, yeah. So that, that you know, once we music. get to $500 a month, that's a that's a country album for everybody. Woo! Um, we also have uh, if you if if you know what I get it. Maybe you don't want to make the monthly yeah uh, thing. You know, then occasionally whenever the 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 mood strikes you, put on a, a cowboy hat, look up at the sky, squint your eyes with vile hatred at the chemtrails, and then karate kick the donate <laughs> button, uh, or just kick audibletrial.com slash blurry photos square in the teeth. Yep. Get yourself a free book for your vengeance. Slide, slide one of them into the slats and get you, mm-hmm. get you a book back. Don't forget to uh, go over and like our page on Facebook. We're past 11 Hildos. Go over to Twitter, blurry underscore photos. Follow us on there. Like us on the face tunes, which is my way of saying, give us a five star review on iTunes. Yeah. Write something. We've Some got, we've gotten a couple of really great reviews recently. Great, great reviews. R- real quick note. I, I don't know what's going on with iTunes. The doppelganger episode doesn't show up in the store, but if you subscribe to us, it shows up in the feed. What the f***? Now, who wants to tell me what that's about? Yeah, no s***. It happened uh, with the last Bullstone, too. Our last Bullstone isn't on there. So iTunes just randomly drops our episodes from the feed list. But if you hit subscribe... Then it it's will get yeah it will download into the feed. For what you. a weirdly specific problem. So dumb. Stitcher is fine. Yeah, check that. We're on Google Play now somewhere. Nice. I mean that's what they tell told me, but I looked for us. We're not on there. I'll I don't try. Know what's going on? So uh, so don't fret none. Uh, as always, if you subscribe, and it, by the way, subscribing is the best way for us to monitor like how the hell we're doing. And yeah, you know if if we just completely should cry in a corner after doing this for five years <laughs> well you or know if we're on yeah, our way to the top it's the funniest uh saddest kind of uh, situation because the better you do the better you do yeah um you know itunes in particular really rewards success yeah and so the better we do the more we get uh, a higher profile we get in the the you know what's hot and those kind of things the banners that they run at the top of the pages and that's a huge part of of getting more people to notice us so thank you so much for helping us with that and it's been awesome Here's here's a funny piece of uh, behind the curtain that you might appreciate, dear listener, and and one reason why Patreon is so important. There are some advertising uh, companies out there that won't even talk to you as a podcast if you don't have fifty thousand downloads. Which I, we're getting- probably even uh, I I don't know if it's a week or a month or whatever, but they have this hard cut off of fifty thousand, and they are the aristocracy. I feel like we're getting close to that, though. Here, here's the deal: if we hit fifty thousand, we're gonna let that phone sit right there on the table. <laughs> they are not getting a call from us because truth that. Uh, First yeah, of all, it's, yeah, it's elitist. Yeah. No, don't stop. Yes, it's elitist for these. A-
assholes to do it. And I get that they don't do everybody because there's, you know, a ton of podcasts out there. But there are some that are quality that are getting quality downloads that they could be giving some good hard-earned money to. Besides that, we don't want to subject you guys to that. Yeah. We, we have a, a, a sponsorship that we're very happy with. We do the ad up front. We're done with it. We don't want to do what, two minutes uh, of, of ads up front, two minutes in the middle, just continuously stop and berate you with ads just so we can get a few more dollars a month. <laughs> I mean, it depends on how many dollars, okay? Don't all don't right, don't write right. a check that we right. later don't on... Don't undercut my... my well, there's going to come a day where someone here. offers us enough money that I'm like, I don't give a f- what people are sitting through. <laughs> this next one's called uh, Stamps.com The Musical. It's only two hours <laughs> long, bitches! Anyway. When you don't have to go to the post office... <laughs> We don't have to do it now. When, when we have to do it, let's do it. But <laughs> get excited. Anyways, keep supporting us on Patreon. We won't have to put you through that stuff. Everybody wins. That's that's the point of it. The 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 f-ing elitist marketing <laughs> assholes. Don't Big get, gravity. Don't get there. Don't get there. Say we get ours. Yeah, we rule. Cause, you rule because we're we're here for you, not for us. Do you know who isn't an elitist asshole? Chicago Podcast Cooperative. That's true. They're actually great. They're, They're very functionally very a us. charity that subsidizes creative <laughs> people in Chicago, and they cannot be given enough high fives uh, for that. So true. thank you to the Chicago Podcast Cooperative. True dad, true dad, and Cards Against Humanity. For yeah. That. So so check them out check if you like out, our please. podcast. Listen, they're they're building quite the stable of excellent podcasts. So uh, you know you know you should check out who Alka Hollywood. Hey. Uh, one of these days we're going to be on there on their, their hundredth episode. Oh yeah. Indiana Jones spectacular <laughs> that, I mean, I'll tell you what those guys, it is, they bit off a lot to chew, but they are chewing it. It is not more than they can chew. It's just a lot to chew. And yeah. I, I, you know what? They take their time because I know sure. it's ready. Yeah. The product it's, will be worth it. They have original score written for that thing. It's crazy. Yeah, so it's crazy. And they have me doing a completely racist act. <laughs> so yeah, so when they're when they're uh they're Christopher uh uh who is it? Chris not Nolan. Columbus. He, yeah, they're Christopher Columbus written rejected uh Indiana Jones script. And the the staff of the monkey king. Yeah. Something, something like, like that. that. So. When that comes out, it's gonna be great. <laughs> um but yeah, no, listen to them. They're they're awesome. It's a fun podcast. We did an episode with them. Um, they did an episode with us. Yeah, we watched. Uh, yeah, we did. It was last summer. We did the, their Fourth of July yeah. uh, National Treasure. National Treasure. That's what it was. So that anyway, that's all the shit we do. Um, and you guys, you now go back to doing the shit you do. That's right. Now you can. Now you can proceed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least until next week on Bullstone. Academy Award winner Leonardo DiCaprio addressed the United Nations on. Oh no, that can't be right. Wait, are you serious? Why on earth would he be talking to the UN? It's raining. It's pouring. The old man is soaring. (laughs) The new club for male retirees that hang glide in storms and how you can avoid them next week. All these tip jiggling stories and more next week on Bullstone.